Welcome to the Thoughts with Lachman podcast. My name is Lachman Sybil. I'm a senior at the Edgemont Junior Senior High School, and I'm passionate about German culture. I've been working with German for the last two and a half, three years. And uh, in this podcast, I explore different cultural topics, historical topics um, that relate to German culture and German history. We've also explored, um, you know, South America a little, and we focused on gender inequality in the U.S. and in South America. Um, and uh, but the primary focus of the podcast is is on German culture. Um, in today's episode, we were really I have a pretty cool topic actually. You know, I've uh, was reading a novel titled you know Hitler's Olympics, the nineteen thirty six Olympics, and then I read it from another perspective too. There were two German authors, and they both had different interpretations of the purpose of the nineteen thirty six Olympics. Um, you know, for for context, you know, the Third Reich, uh, the Nazis had power over Germany in, in this time. And, uh, you know, Hitler was in control of the country. And uh, for the 1936 Berlin Olympics, they were actually the first Olympics to be broadcast. And, um, you know, at first they didn't really know if, uh, if, they, if Germany wanted to host the Olympics. Uh, Hitler actually stated that, you know, the Olympics were created by Jews and... At first, he was very hesitant, but uh, Joseph Goebbels, his uh, minister of, of propaganda, um, he really pushed Hitler to, to host the games in Berlin because they could use it as a platform to promote their Nazi ideology, and they could, you know, um, show the rest of the world how successful Germany is, whether it's fake. They could, you know, decorate Berlin, and that's what they did, and, and you know, help raise nationalism. And Germany did, actually. German athletes did very well in the Olympics. Um, they won 89 medals, which was the most, and I think 33 gold medals, which was also the most. So they were successful at the Olympics. Now, there are lots of theories about whether the Olympics were rigged and, you know, whether um, um, certain countries had any chance. Um, and, uh, you know, one episode we're going to be focusing on is with Jesse Owens, which is uh, a terrific uh, example of good versus evil. I mean, Jesse Owens represented hope in those Olympics. Um, succeeding, winning gold medals as an African-American at that time. Um, but another athlete I wanted to focus on from those Olympics was Helen Mayer. Um, Helen Mayer is extremely interesting. She's very unique um, in that she was a Jew, and she was able to participate. That in and of itself makes her unique, the fact that she was able to participate in the Olympics as a Jewish German, um, because the German national teams, they tried to, they, they basically did their best to make sure that they could kick off all the Jews from their teams. Now, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, um, you know, and the, and the Americans and other, uh, and I think the French and the British, they all complained about this. Germany's official policy, they publicly stated that Jewish, um, you know, athletes are not allowed to compete on the German teams. Once that happened, the American, the French, the British uh, delegates complained to the IOC and they said, you know, we're going to consider boycotting the Olympics if this is, the host nation's policy. And so I, the IOC in Germany, um, you know, negotiated and, and they agreed that, um, you know, Jewish athletes would be allowed to, to compete for, for German teams. Now, even though it was technically allowed, um, you know, you had de facto, um, de facto, uh, a de facto barrier and that, yeah, it was, it was technically legal for, for Jewish athletes to be on German teams, but they did the, the best they could possibly do 
at making life as difficult as possible and discouraging Jewish athletes to the point where there were very few Jewish athletes competing uh, for Germany. And also, if you're a Jewish athlete, I mean, there's certainly a level of personal recognition, but um, certain Jewish athletes had no interest in in representing Germany and and standing and trying to compete to win uh, medals for a country that, you know, was led by a, uh, a leader who who hates your, your religion, who hates your people. Um, and, you know, lots of Jewish athletes. There wasn't really... It wasn't like there were tons of Jewish athletes who, could, who were fighting to be on the German team. They didn't want to represent the German team, but there still were others who, who went through that adversity and were doing it for their own personal um, goals because the Olympics is a grand stage and it's it's the dream of many to compete at the Olympics. You work so hard for so long to, to get to that level. So you have a mixture of both of those elements, but... There were hardly any, when it's when it was all said and done, right? There were hardly any uh, Jewish athletes competing for the German teams. One Jewish athlete that was competing for the German teams in the nineteen thirty six Olympics was Helen Mayer. Um, she was actually twenty six years old for these Olympics. Um, her father was Jewish. Um, her mother was um, Lutheran, and uh, you know she was a fencer. Um, she was very talented when she was younger. She wasn't invited to, uh, the 1924 Olympic Games. Um, but, um, you know, in 1928, um, Helen Mayer did fence for Germany in the Olympics in Amsterdam, and she won a gold medal. Um, she was 18 and 2 in her fights. Um, and, and she became very popular within the country. Um, in, in the 1932 Olympics, however, in Los Angeles, you know, she came in fifth place. But um, she learned only a few hours before her finals match that um, her boyfriend had, had just drowned. So that likely impacted her performance. And she was a gold medal uh, winner from before. But following that tragedy, you know, Maya remained in Los Angeles and she studied as an exchange student um, at Scripps College. Um, and she, her, her, her desire was to, uh, you know, study in the U.S. and then come back to Germany and work for its foreign service. Um, and she also helped, you know, Scripps College set up a fencing program. Um, however, you know, in 1933, that's when Nazi powers started to become more popular and, uh, you know, Hitler gained power, and, and um, you saw the expulsion of Jews from civil service jobs. So Meyer was kicked out of, the, uh, out of her fencing club, even though it was a private organization. Um, because, remember, right, private organizations aren't subject to the expulsion of Jews from all civil service jobs, right? Private organizations are not public. They didn't have to do it. Um, but it wasn't like you had a choice, so to speak, if... you. They, they, they were certainly under pressure to do it. And, uh, you know, we don't know about the motives, but, you know, across Germany at the time, you saw many people, once people figured out that, you know, going against Germany, because Germany was chaotic at the time. And there were, it was truly, I mean, a, a fascinating period and, and heartbreaking period for, for Jews. And people quickly realized that even though they might not be technically forced to do something, 
it makes sense for them to do something to protect themselves. And the Offenbach Fencing Club may have felt that way, um, you know, to, to protect themselves. If, if they allow Jews to be part of their club, maybe they, you know, they get attacked. So they thought it was best to, to you know, kick out Jews. Um, Germany withdrew her scholarship, um, but Scripps College, you know, gave her um, money to, to, to finish her degree. Um, to, so she could finish her education. And now here we go, 1936. You know, Germany's hosting the, uh, the Winter and Summer Olympics. And she's a fencer, so that's summer. But, um, you know, it, it, Germany wanted to originally, as we said, have no Jews on the team. But the U.S. threatened to boycott and uh, the IOC. They negotiated with Germany and they agreed that um, two Michelinge, or half-breds, um, because Meyer's half-Jewish, because her father is, so two half-breds, Michelinge, that's the German word, were allowed to compete, and that's Meyer and high jumper Gretel Berman. Now, you know, I'm going to focus on Helen Meyer. We can do another podcast on Gretel Berman, because I think it's so, it takes so much courage to do what Meyer and, and Gretel Berman did. Um, and I think Meyer's interesting in the fact that she left Germany, she was at the U.S. when this, you know, you know when, um, Nazis came to power. And she's also interesting that she's a former gold medal winner. Um, but yeah, so Meyer received the invitation to join the team. You know, she was in Oakland fencing and she was prepared to return. Um, she was criticized. And this comes back to it. She was criticized by many American Jews because, you know, they found her selfish. They thought that she should have boycotted and that, you know, how can you go and represent Germany when they're so anti-Jew and... And they're literally killing Jews, um, and they're trying to exterminate the, the, the exterminate Jews. And how can you go and represent them? Um, so she faced lots of criticism. And uh, you know, Joseph Goebbels, the, the propaganda minister in Germany under the Nazis, you know, he issued a press blackout on Helen Mayer, and he said that you know he instructed the press that no comments should be made on Helen Mayer's, um, you know, non-Aryan ancestry. Um, especially considering the fact that she could be a gold medalist. It was important. Because um, normally you would receive press, right? If she's a gold medalist or a gold medalist competing, um, you know, athlete, you would expect her to receive, uh, you know, press. But that's why Joseph, Joseph Goebbels felt necessary to, uh, to issue that press blackout. She didn't end up winning gold. She won silver, which is still, I mean, a tremendous accomplishment. But um, it was uh, uh, one of the most fascinating pictures in American history is Meyer standing up on the platform, receiving her silver medal. And she's wearing a white sweater with a large red swastika. And she proudly held her, her arm to uh, hail the, the Führer, or Hitler. And, you know, important to, it's important to note that her father died in 1931. Her two brothers spent the war in labor camps. Um, and yet she did that. Now, you know, she shouldn't be blamed. She didn't have a choice, right? If she didn't do that, she'd be executed. But it's so fascinating. Um, and it, it's one of... It, it's one of the most interesting pictures um, 
in German history, in my opinion. I'm just pulling it up right now. It's, you know, she she stood there with her medal, um, and she was wearing a, a white sweatshirt with a red swastika, and that that was tradition, by the way. That's what they all <clears throat> um, did. That's what all the uh, German athletes, when the, once they won a medal, that's what you, you would stand up, you'd hail Hitler, and you would you would wear your uh, white swastika, your your white sweatshirt with a red swastika. Um, so Meyer just simply followed tradition, but she received significant criticism for this, obviously, um, from other Jews. Um, you know, it's interesting considering her, her family's, what happened to her family un, un, under um, the Nazis. But again, she didn't have a choice. She would have been killed if she had protested or anything. She had no freedom, and no, one, no Jews had any freedom. Um, or no, and even other Germans, they, didn't ha they lacked other f freedoms too under, under the Nazi regime. Um, but I, I think it's fascinating. I think her courage for competing at the Olympics, um, <clears throat> despite you know the the external um, you know circumstances, and I think that the the fact that she was able to block all that out, still won a silver medal um, in her event, and uh, it is truly um, noteworthy. It's truly it's it's there's not many. I'm a big sports fan. I've watched sports my entire life, and there are not many things that can compare to that. Um, when you consider all the uh, everything that's gone on with her family and how her father died, and and her brother spent the war in labor camps, and you know the whole um, negotiations between the IOC and Germany to even let her compete at these Olympics. Um, I think it's it's remarkable that she was able to be, to win a silver medal, and then I think that scene that that picture and there's a great I mean it's black and white but still you can see it, um, you know her raising her right hand, and uh, her right arm, and she's wearing her white sweater with the swastika, um, you know after the Olympics uh, Maya returned to the U.S. She continued to teach, um, you know at San Francisco State College. Um, she f found out she had breast cancer um, and returned to Germany in 1952. And she ended up passing away um, only at the age of 43 from, from her breast cancer. But <clears throat> I think uh, she's, she's not very well known. You know, I never heard of her. I, I was completely unaware of her until I found something, saw a quote, and then that kind of spurred me to do more research. Um, but she, I think she should be more well-known. Um, because the fact that, you know, a part Jewish, um, woman who, and remember being part Jewish loses most of your rights. Her, I mean, her country's press was forbidden to mention her. Um, and, and also remember that she was one of Germany's most famous athletes because in 1928, when she won a, the gold medal, she was um, really young. You know, she was uh, she was 18 years old when she won that gold medal. Winning, I mean, in swimming, I guess it's, it's people win medals at that time, but I'm I'm not sure exactly. How, I mean, it has to be really young for fencing. There's no way people are competing. I know was, I've seen 16 year olds and 17 year olds win medals in swimming, but. At 18, to win a gold medal is, is astonishing. 
So she was beloved by her country. And this is 1928 when, you, you know, Nazis weren't in power yet. Um, and even though Germany, I mean, there, there are historical studies on the roots of this, how the Nazis came to power and what, you know, there was definitely anti-Semitism in Germany at this time, but it was far less. And, uh, you know, she was beloved and, and she had full citizen, citizenship rights and um, she was loved by her people. Um, and, uh, you know, within a few years, she's and competes in Los Angeles, but her boyfriend dies and that kind of impacts her performance because she finds out right before. And the 1936 Olympics, she's able to overcome as much adverse, I mean, nearly as much. It's difficult to think of any athletes in Olympic history who could have overcome more adversity than, uh, Helen Mayer, and she's able to put that all, overcome that, and win a silver medal, um, which is which is fascinating, and and uh, you know she is criticized for giving the Nazi salute, but again she had no choice. Um, it was a non-negotiable requirement of the state. It would lead to serious repercussions, repercussions, and uh, still, you know. The other question people ask, which is really interesting, is why did she choose to participate in these Olympics? I understand why from Helen Meyer's perspective. There's certainly, I mean, she's a, a gold medal winner when she's 18 years old and she finishes fifth because she finds out in, in the 1932 LA Olympics, she finishes fifth because she finds out her boyfriend drowned only a few hours before she competes. And so she's competitive, and there's that factor that kind of drives her to want to compete again in the 1936 Olympics and win a medal. Um, there's the fact that she's worked so hard, she's so talented, she's so skilled, and um, the Olympics, you know, she dreams of competing at the Olympics, and um, she's competitive, she wants to do well, and, you know, it's, it's a massive stage. Um, and anyone who works so hard, they want to, you know, get recognition for their work. Um, so I certainly understand why, you know, Helen Meyer wanted to compete in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Um, but I also understand why she received criticism from other Jews, you know, um, the fact, the very fact that she did, you know, represent Germany, um, under Hitler, under the Nazi regime in the Olympics, um, you know, people would question that. Um, people would question why you're, you know, representing them and look at what they've done to you and, and your type of people and their policies towards Jews and what does it say about you that you're still willing to, you know, compete for them and win medals for Germany um, and your success is going to be used by the Nazi party and Hitler to increase nationalism in the country. So I certainly understand why she was quite criticized, but I think it's a very nuanced issue because... Um, there's her side of the story too, and I don't blame her for competing, um, but I understand why she's criticized. Um, in terms of, you know, her legacy, I think it's so interesting. She's one of the most interesting unknown people, unknown athletes, unknown people in the world. Um, she was pretty apolitical though. Like, obviously she supported, she, she, um, once she, she supported, you know, freeing the Jews, and she supported, she was completely against, you know, Hitler's policies and the Nazis, but she did, um, she tried to veer away from the political side of things, 
even though there was so much um, negotiations and, and, and obstacles for her to even compete, um, and you know, there's lots of negotiations between the IOC and, and Germany to let her compete, but in her, after she, her career, she really just focused on teaching and she tried to remain a little bit more apolitical. Um, and I found that interesting. Um, but yeah, thank you for, uh, for listening to the podcast. Um, you know, I, I think this was a really interesting topic. I think the image of her standing with her silver medal in a white sweatshirt with a red swastika is so interesting. And so, I mean, it's one of the most interesting images in German history. And, uh, this is one of the most interesting topics I've done a podcast on, um, I hope you've enjoyed it, um, and and yeah, I'm going to continue focusing on other German cultural topics. Um, there's so much to focus on in 20th century Germany, and uh, oh, and and my book that I my book recommendation for this topic I have a couple. So I have foiled Hitler's Jewish Olympian, the Helen Mayer story, by Millie McGullough. Um, um, you know. Her description of the book, arguably history's most famous woman woman fencer, named as one of the top 100 athletes of the century by Sports Illustrated, Helen Mayer won gold for Germany in the 1928 Berlin Olympics. Eight years later, with America poised to boycott the 1936 Berlin Olympics over anti-Semitism, the Nazis brought Mayer home from self-imposed exile in California to be the token Jew on their team. This marvelous book is the story of a beautiful and talented young woman who tries to win back her citizenship by fencing for the Third Reich. The thought-provoking saga of the central figure in the 20th century's most dramatic sports event, uh, sports event and controversy. So I read that book, by the way, before making this podcast, and it's this. That's why I was excited because this. Sometimes I read books before I make podcasts, and sometimes I read a collection of articles and maybe academic journals, um, or, or papers within journals. But I actually read a book on this topic, and uh, I, I found that book fascinating. Um, and it really does capture who Helen Mayer was and the type of person she was. But yeah, thank you for uh, for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed. I really appreciate the feedback I've received. And uh, I'm going to continue working on more episodes. And let me know if there are any topics you want me to focus on. Let me know if there's any ways I can improve the podcast. And please feel free to share the podcast with anyone you know so we can expand the audience um, and increase German cultural awareness. But yeah, thank you for uh, listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed and goodbye.